apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of homeownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Home Mortgage and Equal Housing Lender, American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Annie Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML 338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender, and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC 338923, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 20112810L, call for additional details. Shepard all alone. Shepard breaks a tackle and into the end zone. Sterling Shepard. It's he. Thibodeau got there. Got the ball out. Scooped it and scored. Touchdown Giants. Kevon Thibodeau. Second down five. Jones again. Oh, here he goes. He can see the pylon. Touchdown. Barkley. Looking for a seam. Great cut. Saquon Barkley in for the touchdown. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to John about the G-Men Giants football podcast. I'm Big Jace, joined by Sean Scanlon. And we got a lot to talk about as uh, tomorrow afternoon is the franchise tag deadline. And... The Gi- the Giants plan to franchise tag Daniel Jones. I mean, anything unless s- somehow they come up with some contract in the uh, in the next less than twenty four hours. This is what's going to happen. Daniel Jones reports of uh, wanting forty five mil per year. Uh, Sean, what do you think about this? And is this good or is this bad for the Giants? I think putting the tag on Jones would be bad for us because um, I'd rather just sign him to a long-term contract. Obviously, you know, he's looking for the 45 mil. I think I'd feel more comfortable going somewhere around 40 mil, but it's not looking like that's going to happen. Um, they said if they can't get to a long-term, long-term contract before the deadline, then they're probably going to tag him, which I think just hurts our chances of bringing Saquon back. Um, obviously, when you're on that one-year uh, tag hit, you can't spread it out. Um, so, you know, you could have a lower cap hit in the first couple of years and then uh, do a higher cap hit. So you can spend more money in this uh, free agency coming up here. So I don't really think it's a great idea for the Giants. Um, unfortunately, that's what it's looking like. So I think more and more by the day, it's looking like Saquon Barkley won't be part of this offense, which is huge. Um, we've seen that when he's on the field with Daniel Jones, they've done really well together. Um, he was the catalyst of this offense last year. 
he's he was hurt for you know the three year stretch there, but he's looked like he's back to form last year, and now he's got a kind of got some fresh legs, seeing that you know he missed the majority of those past three years. So I just think tagging Daniel Jones will not allow us to bring back Saquon. Uh, which will mess up the dynamic in this offense. So I'm not a huge fan of it. I'd rather get him to a long-term deal. Um, if we can get him to like a four-year 160, I, I don't mind paying him the $40 million. I know a lot of Giants fans uh, don't love that. But if you look at some of the QBs coming up here, you got Herbert, Burrow, uh, Lamar's going to get paid. He'll probably be in like the top half, like around 10 to 15 uh, highest-paid quarterbacks, which is where I think he is. Right now, honestly, in the league after what we saw last year. So uh, I would like to get the long-term deal done, but it's looking like it's not going to happen. So I, I think it's a bad idea. I think we're just going to miss out on Saquon, which really hurts because I love Saquon. And I think he's uh, obviously the biggest part of this offense. I think that Daniel Jones had a great year, but I think the the offense still runs through Saquon. So uh, not a big fan of it. I have a bad feeling that Saquon's not going to be back. Um so yeah, that's how I feel about it. I I I get where you're coming from, but but I think they'll make it work. I I think I mean just just because Daniel Jones's franchise tag doesn't necessarily mean that's the end of the line for Saquon. Uh, I, I think they'll be able to work it out, especially with uh, uh also starting uh that they're gonna cut Kenny Galladay once like free agency starts. That'll clear up some room. Uh, I mean yeah. Optimally, was this the best way for the free agency to play out? No. Uh, I, I I thought Daniel Jones would be you know, a, a team player, uh, to take a little bit of a pay cut, help him sign, find some more weapons uh, in free agency, but I guess that's not what's going to happen. But I, 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 I'm not as skeptical as you about Saquon leaving. Like I, I think they can still – keep both these guys together. And even if they do, even if Saquon leaves and you only got Daniel Jones for really one year, you're not able to figure it out. Uh, okay. Then we're at a, uh, then we're at like a full on re not full on rebuild, but personnel rebuild, which I, I'm not, I, I'm not going to be super mad at because we have the front office. You have the coach, uh, right. There, you you just need the right pieces, and if Daniel Jones is gonna, if Daniel Jones isn't willing to commit to to that, then he's he wasn't the right piece. Uh, I, I have faith in Dayball. I have faith in Shane. If, if he, he can't find that faith in him, is he really? He, I don't think he's the good enough to be the Giants' quarterback of the future. I mean, I believe in Dable and Shane, definitely. I think what Shane did last year with having no cap space and bringing in all these guys that were pretty much on the streets was incredible. Now that he actually has some money to spend, I think that we're definitely going to see a much more deep roster this year. I think we do have some talent uh, from our starters. But I, if we have to go in and get another quarterback after next year because we can't get to a long-term deal with Jones, then I think that just sets us back even further. Um, I still have belief in Dable and Kafka, even with a rookie quarterback in – uh, some names that are not familiar in this offense, I think they can get the job done. But I think it's just so much easier to build on what we've already, you know, seen from last year, going into the playoffs, winning nine games, uh, getting a playoff win. I think it would be much easier to, you know, go out and add some receivers to that group that we have with uh, Jones and Barkley instead of, you know, trying to rework this whole offense with a new quarterback, new running back. Uh, I think it just sets us back a little bit. So that's why I wanted to get the long-term deal done with uh, Jones and then, uh, maybe tag Saquon. I don't know why they're so against tagging Saquon. 
Um, it makes a lot of sense. You only have to pay $10 million, uh, for next year, which is, I, I think, a bargain for Saquon. He's looking for 14 mil. Um, the Giants won't go north of 12 mil, it's looking like. So I just have a bad feeling that that negotiation is, is not going to get done and that Saquon's going to hit the free market. And then once he gets to talk to other teams, I think there's definitely a team out there uh, that will be willing to pay him, you know, over that 14 mil because uh, there's a lot of teams in this league that would want a playmaker like Saquon Barkley on their offense. So I just think this kind of – it could be a domino effect if, you know, we end up tagging Jones and then not bringing Saquon back. Uh, I think it could just hurt this offense moving forward. But we'll see how it plays out. Uh, obviously, I want Saquon back. Uh, I just don't know if the negotiations are going to go well. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens. But I do believe in Shane that they, they can get there. It's just not looking great right now from all the reports I've seen. So, fingers crossed that Saquon's back. But, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, uh, we will see. And, I mean, uh Let's take a step away from the Giants for a little bit here. Uh, it it was a big. I mean, a lot of news came out around the NFL because it was the NFL Combine. A lot of mi- mixing and mingling amongst the 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 front office people. And uh, yeah, I mean that's where this Daniel Jones report came out of. Uh, so I mean, if they can't get those guys, I mean, if they can't resign both Daniel Jones and Saquon. Uh, obviously, that'll change the needs of the Giants. Uh, and, I mean, we, we put a lot of stock in uh, the NFL Combine, but obviously free agency hasn't hit yet. So uh, your needs and that stuff, like everyone putting out mock drafts right now, like needs and stuff are going to change. Uh, but, Sean, who, who surprised you most at the Combine that, that you saw? Um, for me, I, I think it had to be probably the best uh, performance from the combat I saw was Nolan Smith from Georgia. Um, he missed, you know, pretty much all last year with an injury. Um, I knew that he was an explosive pass rusher. I knew he'd be, you know, one of the top edge prospects, but I didn't expect him to be that good, you know, running in the four threes as a, um, as a pass rusher. Um, his vertical was 41 and a half, which is absolutely ridiculous for a pass rusher like that. So just so explosive. Um, I think that he definitely helped his draft stock. I think he probably would have been like a late first round pick. Now I I'll be surprised if he you know gets past fifteen or twenty. So I think he he helped the stock a lot. Um, just so explosive out of the pass rusher, which is obviously what you want to see. So I think he had the best performance of the combine, um, which kind of shocked me coming off the injury. Like I said, I knew he was explosive, but I, I didn't think it would be to that extent. Yeah, I mean he he did look great, and I uh, I mean. Every, any everyone in Georgia looks great. Like that's just what Georgia is, the the new Alabama. But uh, for for me, I I gotta mention. I mean, everyone talks about the forty. G D J Turner the second from Michigan, uh, defensive back run, ran a four two six, uh, fastest of the combine. So shout out to him. Uh, but for me, someone. I mean, the combine's cool. The forties cool. All this measurables. Uh. And stuff, but like for quarterback wise, like everyone was loved Will Levis, loved Anthony Richardson, but CJ Stroud was out there throwing stride for stride with them, ball for ball for them. He he looked great, and I I think with the I I I know a lot of people are high on Anthony Richardson right now, especially with the combine, and then people are low on Bryce Young. Uh, I don't understand. 
this looks like Justin Fields 2.0. You, you have this good Ohio State quarterback that is somehow getting leapfrogged by people who, based off on the field, the, the, that shouldn't be the case. Like, I, I think I like Justin Fields, but I, I think C.J. Stroud is the guy. I think he is the quarterback of this draft class, and a lot of people are overlooking him. But, uh, I actually can, yeah, I completely agree with you. I think that, you know, from even when the season started this year, I thought that CJ Stroud going in would be the best quarterback. And he kind of showed that with Ohio State's offense. And I think he's getting overlooked by, you know, these guys like Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, like you said, um, just because they have these super strong arms. They're both super athletic, but they didn't really put up uh, the numbers or tape that you'd want to see at the college level. And then Bryce Young, uh, obviously another great career, but it's just that slight frame. I just, with uh, those huge D linemen hitting him in the NFL, I just don't know how long he's going to last like that. Um, at least, you know, other shorter guys like, you know, Kyler, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, they actually had um, a little bit of not as much as of a, a slight frame. Um, they had some some build on them. So I'm just worried about that. But I, I agree. I think CJ Stroud is easily the number one quarterback. I don't know why he's being overlooked so much. And if he ends up being the third or fourth quarterback drafted, uh, I think whatever team picks him is definitely going to get a steal. And I think that they'll end up getting – uh, the best quarterback at the next level. Yeah, uh, I mean, we'll see with that. I, I, I think it just has to be a stigma. If that does end up happening, it has to be just a stigma with uh, Ohio State quarterbacks. Because I mean, ho- hopefully Justin Fields can break that. Hopefully wherever CJ Stroud can break that. But I, I, I feel like that's. I mean, people said that a lot about Alabama quarterbacks. But I mean, look at what. Uh, Look what uh, Jalen Hurts did this past year. So, I mean. Uh, we don't, we don't need to talk about I, that. I, I know. And also, I mean, one more thing on the Eagles. You also talk about slight frame and all that stuff. Devontae Smith, a lot of the similar. They said a lot of stuff like that about him, and he, he turned out pretty good. I mean, and quarterback-wise, you have that across the board, I feel. Uh, going all the way back to Drew Bledsoe, obviously, Russell Wilson. Uh, Drew Brees. So I mean, I I, I think it's different. I think it's good. different for receivers though. Quarterback, you're just standing back there uh, waiting for yeah. a linebacker or D lineman to come crush you. With at least with DBs, you're out in the open field. Um, I mean, the DBs are much smaller than some of the D linemen and linebackers. So, and I, I think it's a little bit different. Um, and you can find ways to you get down in the open field, uh, run out of bounds. QBs sometimes when you're in the pocket, you don't really have uh, much say. It's kind of up to your own line. So. That's the only. I th- I still think Bryce Young will have a solid career. It's just it, it does worry me, um, especially looking over the line too. Like he he's a small dude. I just don't know how it's gonna um, work out. Obviously, I think he's a great passer. Um, I think that he will have a good career, but I would I would still lean uh, C.J. Stroud over him. Yeah, I I mean, yeah, I I'm with you with C.J. Stroud. I will say though, Bryce Young. I feel like at times at Alabama didn't need to utilize his legs a- as much. I know that was really big in him coming out of college. I mean, coming out of high school, and I, I feel like it isn't his uh, mobility isn't talked out as much. So I think of that that that's something that could uh, be another wrinkle to make him a great quarterback. But uh, yeah, I, I still I still think C.J. Stroud is just he's he's the more dependable, more reliable, the just the guy that you want. But I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, C.J. Stroud's a sneaky runner, too. That game against Georgia, he was scrambling left and right, picking yeah. up yards. So I think that's another uh, element of his game that he could use in the NFL. Yeah, very, very true. 
But, uh, all right, sticking with the combine, but going back to the Giants, uh, from watching the combine, are are there any names that uh, showed up on your radar as a Giants fan, the guys that you would love to see in that big blue uniform? Now, I might sound like a hypocrite a little bit here um, because I was just talking about Bryce Young's uh, slight frame, but if you're looking at receivers, um, my favorite receiver right now is Zay Flowers. Um, I know that he's only 5'9", but – he is explosive, man. He's so fast. He's a great route runner um, in the open field. I think he could be a nightmare. And obviously he played at BC, but he was the pretty much the lone bright spot there. Um, I just I think that he would fit so great in Dable and Kafka's offense. Uh, I think we need guys that can get separation, uh, that can make plays in the open field. And I think that Zay Flowers um, can do that at a high level. Um, obviously, I know that we have Wandale Robinson probably coming back in the slot, but I think we can mix and match with these guys. Um, and especially if we bring Slayton back, we'll have Hodgins. I think we have some outside receivers. Um, I think we would need to add another one in free agency. But I, I would love to get one here um, in the draft because the free, agent, free agency class for receivers isn't great this year. So I think that we're probably going to have to get one. So Zay Flowers is the name that pops out at me. Um, I also like Jalen Hyatt. I think that um, obviously he's a just a burner, has top-end speed, can get over um, – on top of a secondary and make big plays for us. Uh, similar to Darius Slayton, hopefully he just doesn't make uh, some costly drops in big games. But I think that those two uh, pop out. I like Jackson Smith and Jigma too. I just think that uh, he doesn't get as much separation. Uh, we just saw how that worked out with Kenny Galladay. So I would like a guy that can get separation, um, you know, can make plays in the open field. And I think those two uh, definitely pop out to me. But, yeah, I love Zay Flowers. I know he's a small dude, but – um, I think that he's going to ball out at the next level. Yeah, I I like those. I think another guy. Um, I I have to mention I I uh, Quentin Johnson TCU. A lot of people have talked. To, I I've seen him in a lot of mocks for the Giants as well. Uh, and he didn't run a forty, but he's one of those big physical guys. Uh, he can go up there and get you the ball. Um, it's something that the Giants have never really had. So. I think that's another guy that'd be interesting what uh, Dayball can do for him. Uh, I had Jalen Hyatt as well. Uh, he's great. Speed demon, getting separation. Um, and another thing, if this Daniel Jones stuff doesn't work out, draft Hendon Hooker in the it, later in the rounds. And then, I mean, look at what, look at what these duos are doing. You had Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith. Uh, now you and then you had uh, Burrow and Chase. These uh, th- these little duos going to Super Bowls. Um, and but uh, one that I think would be great taking a step away from the offensive side, looking at the defensive side. Right now he's ranked twenty five on ESPN's big board, so I think he might fall. I I don't think he will. I think he'll actually go up, but uh. Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State, the uh, cornerback, uh, he allowed a 1.4 passer rating in uh, six wall and man coverage at Mississippi State. He had six pick sixes in his career, uh, ran a 4-3-5-40. This dude's a beast. This dude, uh, Sauce Gardner-esque. Not a lot of people are talking about him. Like I said, ESPN has him in that like twenty range uh, for their big board. B. He was a thirty-seven and a half inch vertical, 
uh, 10 foot, 11 inch broad. Like th- this dude's a freak. And I think that this is a guy a lot of people are sleeping on right now, but I think he could like top up and like sauce Gardner last year, like just end up being one of those top picks. But if it stays like this, I think a giant, the giant should keep an eye on him. I know, uh, what's his name? Christian Gonzalez from uh, Oregon. Uh, a lot of people like name as the top DB to go off, but, uh, I like this Forbes kid out of Mississippi state, but, uh, all right. Now we've been doing this since the off season, uh, off season, off sport, as I've been calling it, talking a lot of basketball as it is like primetime basketball. Let's talk some college hoops though. Championship week is among us. Uh, all the conference championships starting to go down. Uh, Big East starts play this week. Uh, is it Tuesday or Wednesday they start? I think it's Wednesday. I know. I think Wednesday. UConn yeah. plays Thursday. So I yeah. think the first round's Wednesday, though. All right. And I mean, you brought it up. We got to start it right there as we're both from Connecticut. Got to talk about UConn. And I mean, they have been one of the most consistent teams in the Big East. I mean, uh, early on in the season, they got to number one. Uh, they've, I mean, every team in the Big East has had their ups and downs. But uh, Sonogo right now looking like he's going to be the Big East uh, player of the year. Um, it, it just really comes into who's going to be that that second guy behind him. So far, Jordan Hawkins has done great. Um, but, uh, I mean, in this environment, uh, the, the Big East is tough. I, I don't think a lot of people are giving the Big East a lot of respect uh, because they're, like, beating up on each other. I, I feel like everyone's just uh, all high and mighty on the Big 12, and rightfully so. They've had back-to-back national champs. But I, I think the Big East is in it, uh, is, is a tough conference this year. And I think UConn is doing great. I mean, and they've shown to be one of the best. But, Sean, are they the best in the Big East? Uh, they're the best in the country. No, I'm joking. I don't. Uh, I do think that they will win the Big East tournament, though. Um, obviously, with the advantage at Madison Square Garden, it's basically like a UConn home game, and uh, I think St. John's will probably get bounced in the first round. Um, even then, when we played St. John's a couple weeks ago, it was the majority of UConn fans, and just the way they're playing right now, they've won five in a row um, since the start of February. They've only lost one game. Uh, like you mentioned, they got off to that super hot start, fourteen and zero, and then uh, once they got into conference play. They struggled a little bit in January, but uh, they started to pick it up. Look like uh, now they look like the team that started the season. Um, their defense is incredible. They're super long and athletic. Um, like you said, Sonogo is the best big man in the Big East. Uh, Jordan Hawkins, when he gets hot, he's one of the best shooters in the country. Uh, and then you're getting contributions from you know the freshman Caravan Klingon. Uh, Andre Jackson is the a great glue guy. Uh, he's a great facilitator. Uh, great rebounder as a guard, a uh, really good defender. So I like this team a lot. Um, they're peaking at the right time for sure. So I, I think that they'll go out and win the Big East. Um, only team that I'm really worried about is Marquette. Uh, they have a really good offense um, that could, you know, put up a lot of points on you. And then Xavier uh, has really good guard play. Um, they have some good men down low too. So those are two two teams I worry about. Um, I don't buy into the hype with Creighton. I don't really think that they're that good, honestly. And then Providence um, could be tough, but they've kind of been struggling lately. So uh, I think if we get past, past Providence, I think that we definitely have a good shot winning the Big East tourney. Um, and then moving on to March Madness, I feel good about this this year's uh, Huskies. I know that. I felt good the last two years, and they got bounced in the first round both times. 
But I think this team's a little bit different. I think they're better defensively. Um, I think they have some uh, more scoring on the outside. So I uh, definitely feel good about the chances. And uh, let's go Huskies. Uh, yeah, uh, I agree with you. Uh, they look very, very good. So no go. I, I think, though, for them to make, like, the big stereotypical UConn push, winning the Big East on to going on to the tournament, I think uh, you're either going to have to get more scoring from the guys like like Caravan's going to have to come off and hit, hit some big threes. Uh, I, I think even Jordan Hawkins a little bit more scoring. Even Sonogo's going to have to play a little bit, uh, score a little bit more, I think, like, the way they're going to make this run is Sonogo is going to have to play like Shaq or like everyone else around him is going to have to step it up a little bit more. Uh, so I, I, I think it's tough. I, I I think they're going to make a run. Are they going to make a run all the way to the final four? I, I don't think so. I think they will get uh, knocked off here early, but I, I think they can win this tournament, but will they? I don't know. Uh, I, I like Marquette. Uh, I think they're just too deep. I mean, I, I think defensively, probably UConn's a little bit more deep. But uh, Marquette, just their scoring, their offense, it's great. And uh, I feel like uh, coaching-wise, Shaka Smart, uh, he's been there. He's had the runs uh, with different teams. Uh, so, and, I mean, shout-out to Hurley. He's done great, but. I feel like a, this is where the time, like, coaching really takes control. Um, I mean, you saw Coach K get that Duke team, to, I mean, to the Final Four last year. Like, this is where coaching – that's why coaching dominates college basketball like it does. I, I feel like Shaka Smart is the better coach here, and he's going to bring it. All right. But uh, I, I don't know about I, – I would say Creighton's probably the third. I'd take Creighton over uh, – over Xavier, though, as that third team. Because, I mean, well, you're not buying the hype. Uh, they're okay. I, I just hate Ryan Kalbrenner, the big okay. dude. Yeah, I he, mean, he's a beast. He's a monster. No, he's not. He's yes, he is. Sonogo owns him. Did you see the – didn't, like, Creighton whooped, whooped UConn the last game, right? Or am I, or am I getting that they mixed didn't up? whoop us. They won, didn't they? I, right. No, yeah, they won by three. I think it was 53-50, I'm pretty sure. Okay. But I'm pretty sure they had, like, a big lead in the first half or something. I don't remember. I was at work watching that the was against That was against Seton Hall, I think, for UConn. They were up, like, 15 at the half and and uh, ended up losing. I, I, I don't know. But uh, it, it's going to be interesting. Like, even, like, a team like Seton Hall, like, I want to be surprised if they, like, upset, like, one of the – like, a Creighton, like, a – Marquette, like, the Big East tournament's always weird. Like, you saw a couple years ago, Georgetown went on this run. Like, crazy things can happen, and I feel like that's – a lot of that stuff happens in Madison Square Garden in the Big East tournament. So, who knows? We might be talking about uh, – I don't even know. Uh, we might be talking about, like, a St. John's, like you said, makes a run, a Seton Hall. Who knows? That'd be crazy. Uh, we're in any, any of these. Maybe maybe uh, UConn can pull off something like I mean uh, not UConn my bad uh, Syracuse uh, I like Syracuse that's yeah. not gonna happen Jim Beheim's washed uh, 
Yeah, the Dats. I mean, Coach K is gone. Roy Williams is gone. Jim Beheim, you're next. Yeah, it's time to move uh, on, Jimmy. Yeah, it's been time to move on for a while, dude. The two, three. That's just yeah. crazy. I know they you got they you got your one championship in your your forty five years. Uh, you know, great job. I, I think it's time to to move on, old Jim boy. Yeah, and who knows? Uh, a lot of stuff can happen. I, I'll tell you though, dude. I'm all in on Bama this year, though. Brandon Miller's. I I know. Optically, it's not good. I know it looks bad, but I mean, for for the media, for everyone to be staring at you, uh, with all all the allegations and that stuff going on, and for you to go out that night and drop forty, that's a cold blooded killer. In uh, I, I, that's the wrong choice of words. Okay. That's a monster. <laughs> and Brandon Miller, I know Nate Oates is stupid, and uh, but I. Yeah, I, I know he says a lot of stuff, but I, I think Bama's for real, though. I'll say that. I, I put a little uh, bit of money where my mouth is there. Nuggets and Bama right now. That's what I got futures on. Nuggets ones look good. Hey. Yeah. You, you and uh, Zay were clowning me for that at the beginning of the year. I just season. I got to see it. To, I got to see it to believe it with the Nuggets. Hey, I could cash out right now and make uh, a lot of money, but no, they're winning the finals. But, uh, all right, that's going to do it for John about the G-Men today. Thank you, Sean, for joining me. Uh, thank you, Chris Sawyer and Annie Mac Home Mortgage for sponsoring today's episode. And always, thank you, Clovercrest Media, for sponsoring today's episode as well. Make sure you check out clovercrestmedia.com for a bunch of other great podcasts. Uh, for myself, Big Jason, Sean Scanlon, see you next time for more John about the G-Men. Shepard all alone. Shepard breaks a tackle and into the end zone. Sterling Shepard. 18. Thibodeau got there. Got the ball out. Scooped it and scored. Touchdown Giants. Kiva Thibodeau. Second down, five. Jones again. Oh, here he goes. He can see the pylon. Touchdown. Barkley. Looking for a seam. Great cut. Saquon Barkley in for the touchdown. Hello, my name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Man. And great true crime shows like Sticky Week, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Bird unsolved murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.